Welcome to another episode of the Hourglass Investing Podcast, a series on investing topics and fundamental analysis of publicly traded companies. I'm your host, Jared Leary, and today we're talking about a networking infrastructure underdog, Arista Networks, and how they're stealing the lunch money from legacy players in the space. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm outside enjoying the sunshine today. So if you hear any background noises, that is what that's all about. But as I said in the intro, today we're talking about Arista Networks. And it is one of my favorite companies. I wanted to dive first into some of the basic company history, but first wanted to talk about actually how I found the company. So I was looking for a picks and shovels play in the data networking infrastructure space. And a picks and shovels play is essentially a company that's providing the tools required for other companies to succeed, i.e. the business is selling picks and shovels to gold miners in a gold rush. And my theory here was, all right, what are, what's the picks and shovels play for the AI, machine learning, cloud, data? And Arista fit the bill perfectly. So I actually found them from a, a cool founding story about how the company was actually created. And they first came about, it was, it was started by three former Cisco employees. Now, Cisco was the huge dominant player in this space at that time. This was in 2004. But Google put out a request for information on a networking switch that was beyond the ability of anything that actually existed at the time. And a switch is basically just a device that sends information to the right device on a network. That sounds dead boring, because it is, but it's also super critical to the efficient operation of the internet without overloading network systems. So three Cisco employees quit to build out that network switch and ultimately create something better than what Cisco was providing at the time. And they have been focused on that sort of innovation and delivering better results ever since. So 2008, they launched their first commercially available product after four years in the design phase. So what they do at a super high level is they build a network infrastructure for data centers that power nearly everything we think of as precious to the modern internet. Like it's the backbone of cloud, of all the apps, businesses, and systems that run off of it. And a huge part of my investment thesis in the company is that it's also going to be a backbone play for AI and machine learning systems moving forward. So their initial customers were financial institutions that needed low latency networks and infrastructure, obviously, because for stock traders, even a few seconds difference in network speed is the difference between making a profitable trade and an unprofitable one, which is just one more reason I don't trade because my internet sucks. Uh, but obviously their, their products were in huge demand in this space. Uh, the uh, Arista's switches had six times the capacity of the next best product available at that time. So that was a huge difference and well worth the money for most, if not every financial institution. So that gave Arista a solid customer base to start off with and start ramping up their revenues. And 
Things got going pretty quickly once they had started delivering products. After a few years of selling to financial institutions, they started building products for cloud customers and ultimately went public via IPO in 2014. They've continued to build out their total product offering and kind of the customer base that they make solutions for since then. And their total addressable market really just continues to grow as the world becomes increasingly digital, you know, reliant on data. And we constantly need faster and better equipment. So Arista is benefiting from those major tailwinds, as well as more recently, AI and machine learning, which will require just huge improvements in network infrastructure. And while everyone is looking at plays like NVIDIA as kind of a picks and shovels play for this space, I think Arista provides a super similar thesis, but at much more reasonable valuations. Though I will say that's, that's a low bar when we're talking about NVIDIA. All right, let's dive into the business a little bit. You know, the actual products that they offer to customers today. This is, this is going to get a little bit into the weeds. Networking infrastructure is not the most exciting space, but it is important to get an understanding of the company just to delve into a few of the products that they're doing and where the majority of their revenues are actually coming from. So about 80% of Arista's total revenues come from selling networking hardware. They don't actually deal with the manufacturing side of things. They simply design the products and then contract a third party out to do the actual manufacturing. And their primary product is switches, those original network switches that they started off, only they've gotten way better since. So remember that switches essentially just send information where they need to go and help to make networks more efficient. Now, Arista is the market leader in the high quality switch port space, and they own 42% of the total market for 100, 200, and 400G switches, which are the highest quality available on the market now. And they've also developed a leaf spine architecture, which allows them to connect multiple switches into a single unit and allows for even greater network capacity. So they're the market leader in that really, really high quality, high end space. And that's important because for data centers, this means that they can process even more data without having their systems slow down or crash, which obviously is super critical to maintaining operations. A data center or any company dealing with large volumes of data, if they have even a very brief crash, it can cost them millions of dollars and hurt their reputation if they're providing products to other businesses. So shelling out good moolah for Arista's really high-end products is not just money well spent, but honestly like required spending for any companies doing this stuff at a high level. Okay, now if you've been following me for any amount of time, you probably know that I typically avoid manufacturing companies like the plague. So why am I waiving my rule for Arista? What's the difference here? Part of that is due to Arista's customer base. Like I said, Arista is the leader in market share for the highest quality networking products. But zooming out to the wider networking industry, Arista only has about 19% of that total market. And even though this is growing steadily, that is a big difference from that 42% market share in the 100 to 400G network switches. Now, the reason for that is that Arista is almost exclusively focused on providing to networking giants like Microsoft and Meta, who are their largest customers, and are willing to spend good money to ensure that they have the best quality products available. 
This means that Aristo is only really going to get caught in that race to zero spiral that many manufacturing companies get caught in if another player in the space is able to provide an equally good product. Now, so far, no one has been able to do that. And that is because of the second reason that I'm waving my usual no manufacturing companies rule for Arista. And that's, the, that's their software. The other 20% of Arista's revenues comes from their software and services. And their software is crucial to the value prop that they provide for customers, as well as a huge moat against any competitors coming in and offering a better product without any significant investment and time spent to build that out. So rather than blab on about how great their software is, I wanted to read you a quick quote from Diane Green. She's the former CEO of Google Cloud and probably a slightly more notable figure to hear this from than myself. Quote, Arista is really virtualizing flexible networking, working in multiple environments with open APIs to provide interoperability. They are building ultra-low latency network platforms, which are important for cloud-based applications, and at the same time are optimizing these platforms for space and energy efficiency, end quote. So obviously some pretty high praise on their software platforms from a huge player in the space. And they've only continued to build out those software capabilities since that quote was made. So Arista offers the extensible operating system, and they always have. That's their EOS for short. And that connects with the networking equipment to manage the flow of data and ensure network efficiency and reliability, as well as security through Arista's Network Detection Response, or NDR, which is basically a series of sensors that's built into the switches themselves and use AI and machine learning to find and solve security threats across networks. This is a huge, huge bonus for customers to be able to have those security features built directly into Arista's existing operating system without having to go to an outside cybersecurity provider and then integrate their solution into Arista's infrastructure. So that's a huge bonus. Cybersecurity obviously is huge. And while I'm, I'm hoping to do an episode on that coming up here, it's just so important to like every company doing anything these days. Uh, a poll of S&P 500 companies, I think this was made last year, kind of right in, the, in a really rough downturn period for almost every company. And that poll found that cybersecurity was one of the last spending items that CFOs would slash in times of financial distress, which just goes to show how critical it is to operations and how important that is to build into Arista's products. On top of the EOS, Extensible Operating System, Arista also has a newer software offering called Cloud Vision. And this basically just allows their customers end-to-end -end management of their network systems, allowing them insight into and control over their network security, lets them do troubleshooting, monitor for efficiency, and roll out updates so that customers can completely manage their network infrastructure and optimize it for their specific use cases and needs without going to Arista. So that's obviously huge for the efficiency front. And then they also offer, and this is another newer offering, uh, and it's a blend of software and hardware. It's called Cognitive Campus. And that's designed to take the features of a high-end data center, which includes network management, security, 
compact network infrastructure that can connect multiple buildings that are physically separate from each other and makes all of that available to non-data center customers that likely still have a large amount of network traffic and need to maintain reliability, but aren't a data center and don't quite have the budget of a data center. So the cognitive campus name is a little deceiving. It isn't exactly specific to campuses, but that is conveniently just a perfect use case to describe how it could work. So imagine a post-secondary institution with about 50 buildings across the campus. They're all physically separate from each other. And, you know, 40,000 students or something like that, that need like constantly reliable network throughout the day, as well as the actual university staff that requires it for their day-to-day -day operations. So that would be a perfect example of uh, a customer that could use Arista's cognitive campus to maintain their network reliability and efficiency. Now, this is actually a huge move for Arista, in my opinion, because it expands the total number of customers that Arista can provide solutions for. You know, it's moving them outside of exclusively that super high-end data center and allowing solutions to be built for slightly lower spend, but still massive companies that require reliable networks. And the proof is in the pudding on this one as it is one of Arista's fastest growing segments in the business, and they grew around 33% to 2,000 customers at the end of 2022. So this is a huge growth market for them. Now that was a lot of information to blast at you, I apologize, but that should give you a pretty good understanding of Arista's products and their differentiators against competitors. So now let's dive into the team behind it all. I normally don't include the management in these episodes, I always cover them in my deep dive articles. These episodes are based off my articles. Normally I leave the team out of the episodes, but Arista, it is such a key factor to their success that I thought I'd include it in today's episode. So I always use Glassdoor for a quick glance into a company's culture and how employees view working there. It's just a great way to start looking at the quality of a company's team. And immediately Arista is off with a bang. They have a four out of five star rating and a whopping 88% approval of the CEO, Jay Shri Ulal. Ulal took over as CEO of the company after the three founders had finished designing their first network switch, and they wanted to bring someone in with a little bit more business acumen. Now, she is still an engineer. She's, she's very technically oriented, but she also brings a lot more of the business side of things, including business relationships and connections within the industry. Uh, so she previously served at AMD as well as Cisco, like the other three founders, and she helped the company undergo their 2014 IPO. And she's a great presence in all of the interviews and earnings calls that I've seen from her. She gives off a very chill and genuine vibe that stands out from the normally like gross, icky corporate vibes that a lot of S&P 500 CEOs give me. So it's no surprise to me that her employees like her so much. The founders are also a significant part of the story for Arista because two of the original three founders are still involved with the business today. And that gets me super fired up because founder-led teams tend to outperform the wider market. Also, you couldn't ask for better founders than these guys. There were two original founders, Andy Bechtelsheim, I totally just butchered his name, so I'm going to call him Andy from now on, and David Sheraton. 
So Andy today is still very much involved. He's the chief development officer, but he has a long history of founding different networking equipment companies and later selling them for boatloads of cash, which he then adds to his treasure hoard because he was actually also one of the first people to write a check for the founders of Google. So he is super duper ridiculously wealthy, well over a billion dollars in net worth. And I think because of that, that Arista at this point is more of a passion project for him than a money-making endeavor. And just to prove that, he's dedicated his entire stake in Arista to his children. So on multiple fronts, I think he's definitely aligned with shareholders. David Sheraton, not so much. He's unfortunately no longer involved with the business. He left the year that they went public to start another networking company that later got bought out by Juniper Networks, which is one of Arista's main competitors. So there's always got to be a black sheep in a family. David Sheraton is the black sheep of the Arista family. Thankfully, the third founder who joined Arista just a couple months after the original two got to work is Ken Duda, and he serves as the chief tech officer today. So he's in charge of the engineering teams, the software products, and he is the most intensely lovable nerd that I've ever seen. If you have five minutes, go go look Ken Duda, D-U-D-A, up and just watch a video of him explaining one of Arista's products. It's freaking adorable, and he's just, he's such a nerd. Uh, if you've ever read Peter Thiel's Zero to One book, which if you haven't, can't recommend it enough, uh, there's a chapter in that book where he talks about an ideal founder, and Ken Duda matches that prototype to a T. He, he's super product-focused. He's so ridiculously intelligent that he can't even translate it to us peasants. And so he's just, he's perfect for the job. And it's awesome to me that he's still so involved with pushing Arista to, you know, further growth as the head of all the software and all the tech stuff that's going on there. Uh, so between the two founders, uh, Andy Bechtelsheim and Ken Duda, and an incredible CEO in Jayshree Ulal, I am super stoked about the management team. It's probably one of the stronger management teams that I've ever looked at in the public markets. And I'm putting a lot of trust into them to continue growing my investment over the coming years. Oh, yeah, I guess this would be a good time to say that I am invested in Arista. It's one of the companies in my portfolio that I'm the most stoked for. And they don't necessarily come cheap uh, as an investment goes. They trade today at 10 times enterprise value to sales uh, ratio. They trade 33 times earnings, 90 times free cash flow. But honestly, I think it's a pretty fair valuation for a very high quality company that's still growing its revenues incredibly fast. They had 50% year over year growth in revs for 2022 and also doing so profitably with 41% uh, EPS growth over the last four years. They're also consistently raking in free cash flow. And I really only see this growth continuing as they steal more and more market share from incumbent players like Cisco and Juniper Networks, as well as riding the tailwinds on AI, machine learning, data, the cloud. <laughs> Pick a buzzword and Arista is probably providing a backbone play for it. So as those become larger and more important parts of our society moving forward, I think Arista will benefit a lot from that. 
And they also continue to build into the adjacent markets for networking. Uh, so you can see that with the cognitive campus that I was talking about earlier, uh, that's just helping them to expand the number of customers that they're providing solutions for. So that helps to increase the size of the total addressable market or TAM. Now their TAM is already sitting pretty at $31 billion in 2023, and management provided a very handy chart on their last annual report that shows that they expect this to continue growing to over 50, 50 billion by 2027. So that's another, uh, yeah, just under $20 billion over the next four years. Now, I think that segues nicely into Arista's future growth opportunities. I see their main growth driver as an expansion into global markets. So right now, Arista only generates about 30% of its total revenues from outside the United States. Obviously, the U.S. is one of the biggest concentrations of big tech in the world, so that makes sense. But as the world continues to become more dependent on data, and of course, the data centers that go with that, Arista's global opportunity should continue to grow as well. A CEO, Jayshree Ulal, did comment on their last annual report that this was their fastest growing segment in international markets with 80% year-over-year growth. So they really just have to keep on keeping on on that front and ride those tailwinds, especially as more and more countries adopt AI and machine learning. Like Saudi Arabia came out recently that they're buying up NVIDIA GPU chips as fast as they can get them. And I think Arista will grow similarly under that same mentality of, you know, grow out this tech capability at whatever cost. So similar thesis there on that front. Uh, another growth opportunity for Arista is, again, just keep on keeping on. Management's clearly on it with where they have to go with the business. And that's to continue stealing market share from other players like Cisco uh, with their expansion into non-data center use cases. So again, with the cognitive campus, that shows that that is a growth runway that Arista is obviously eyeing up. As they create solutions for a greater number of customers, I think the trend of that greater market share and growing market share should continue as long as they continue to innovate. And that's the key here. They have a long history of innovation as long as they don't change on that front or get complacent. I don't see that stopping anytime soon. Now, they, they have a ways to go in this area. Uh, Arista is trading at just under a $60 billion market cap, while Cisco is sitting pretty at, yeah, wow, over $225 billion. So, you know, they're making moves to steal market share from Cisco, but they have a long ways to go. But again, as long as the innovation continues, I think Arista should continue to steal that market share. Like I said, though, innovation is key. They operate in a very competitive space, not just with Cisco. So protecting that growth that they have achieved and protecting the continued future growth is going to be super important. Thankfully, they do have some defense or moat that they can use to protect that market position. First, the switching costs that are associated with replacing network infrastructure is absurd. Like a competitor would have to come along with such a massively differentiated product to convince Arista's customers that completely replacing their infrastructure was at all worth it. And they have very little reason to do that full replacement while Arista continues to innovate and create consistently better, higher quality products. 
especially with the software and their ability to innovate new networking hardware and software solutions. I think that just makes them the provider of choice. And again, back to that innovation front, as long as they can continue that, they're going to remain at the top of this ladder. So that is their main source of moat there, switching costs and innovation. So I'm starting to run over time here once again. So let's wrap things up. Uh, I think that is a pretty fair overview of Arista Networks overall and what they're doing. So they've disrupted the networking industry with a focus on innovation and providing for high-end customers, as well as their accompanying software offering, which has resulted in them stealing market share from players like Cisco and Juniper Networks that just aren't innovating at that same pace. Uh, they continue to grow fast and efficiently and profitably, and they don't look set to slow down anytime soon. They're still recording you know, mind-melting revenue growth quarter after quarter. And for some reason, they don't seem to get a lot of attention in investing circles, despite their beautiful balance sheet. So I think that provides an edge for investors. Now, as always, I've left out some of the more boring number stuff and charts and, you know, handy extra information that just doesn't come out that cool over audio. Uh, so that's the balance sheet, some of the KPIs or key performance indicators, uh, their competitors, all that stuff. So if this episode got you even a tiny bit interested in investing in Arista and you want to do some more research, then please check out my deep dive article on the business. That covers everything you could ever need to know about the company in excruciating detail. I definitely recommend checking it out if you want to know more. It's sort of a one-stop shop for researching Arista. So I'll put the link for that article in the show notes for this episode. And we will be back next week with another episode for you all. Until then, happy investing, folks. All right. That's all for this episode of the Hourglass Investing Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, I would super appreciate a quick like and review on the podcasting platform of your choice, as well as a share with any friends you think might be interested in the show. It does a lot to help us out, and I'd really appreciate it. Now, if you want to stay up to date on everything Hourglass, you can subscribe to us through Substack at Hourglass Network or through our website at hourglassnetwork.ca. Thanks again, everyone. See you next week. Please note that I am not, not a financial advisor, planner, or analyst, or anything else to do with finance except a huge nerd. So please don't take anything you heard today as investment advice. This show is meant for entertainment and research purposes only. Please, please do your own research before making any investment decisions.